time now to get some uh, expert, veteran, well-thought-out analysis of the two bowl games tomorrow, South Carolina against Notre Dame, Clemson against Tennessee. For that, there's only one place to turn anywhere in the world, two of the greatest minds to ever don a headset, to walk a sideline, to sit in a press box, to offer a recruit. They are Chuck Reedy and Ellis Johnson. Gentlemen, great to have you with us. Chuck, hope you had great holidays. Happy New Year to you, and thank you for joining us once again. Well, thank you, Phil, everything. We had great holidays. Hope you did as well, and uh, it's good to be with you. Yeah, which island did y'all go to this time? No, no, we're mm-hmm. in the mountains. We're we're <laughs> actually at Sugar Mountain. Uh, we're going to be here actually till tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, very nice. Everything's good. <laughs> Are you skiing? Are you skiing up there? No, no. You know better than that. I'm I'm a lot smarter than that now. <laughs> no. I don't my blame age, you. No, I'm not getting on the slopes. I understand. No. Uh, Coach Johnson, I hope you had a a restful, calm, peaceful Christmas and looking forward to a great New Year's. It was fun, a little bit quiet, and that's good too, but uh, hopefully looking forward to a good New Year's. And watching a lot of football, huh? I have watched a lot, but I haven't watched a lot of complete games. It's it's just so hard to to stay there and just watch a whole game, but it's been some pretty good games on. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive into what we got coming up tomorrow, guys. Uh, Chuck, let's begin <clears throat> with South Carolina and uh, Notre Dame as they play in the uh, afternoon tomorrow in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Uh, boy, that's an area you know well. You, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, kind of grew up in the area, and I know you recruited that area uh, over many, many years. And uh, and again, before we talk about the game. Just the Gator Bowl. I mean, I know it's not part of the playoff and all that, but still, I think the Gator Bowl still resonates with longtime college football fans as one of the better bowl games every year. Well, it does. And if you go back, you know, and Ellis is old enough to remember this as well, you might be too, but there were the four major bowls, the Rose, the Orange, the the Cotton, um, and which one am I leaving? Sugar, <laughs> the sugar, but in, the, 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 in the sugar. Where, where you, you know, are on and, the mountain, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and 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 then the fifth one was the Gator Bowl. I mean, you know, the, there were the four big ones, and the Gator Bowl was the next one. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so it's got a great tradition, uh, and great history, and um, no, it's a great. And Jacksonville does a great job, you know, uh, with the, with the bowl. So it's a great trip, and uh, you know, and it's also. You know, it, it's a good thing South Carolina playing there. When I was at Clemson, I think we played there three or four times. And you know, it, it, it's good being down there. It's a great recruiting area, so it's it's really good to be there and 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 be able to spend a week there and 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 you know get you know get your name is out and and there's a lot of uh, of good publicity that you get. So it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about the matchup because um, you you look at it. You know, South Carolina, a hot team going in. Guys, um, back-to-back wins over top ten teams, a chance to win a a fourth game over a ranked team this year if they could knock off Notre Dame. Chuck, what do you see offensively uh, for the Gamecocks, um, how how they might match up with this Notre Dame team and uh, considering what they don't have on offense, how they're going to compensate for that? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's really going to be tough for them. I mean, you you lose, um, you know, your your best running back, and and you know, Bell, you know, obviously, um, you know, one of their better athletes. I mean, those guys are, you know, not there. Um, you know, so and Josh Van is out, so they're they're missing some key people. You know, and I, you know, I just think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be tough for them. Um, you know, I, you know, certainly, um, you know, McDowell, I've always thought, you know, the guy, you know, is very explosive and he'll make some big plays, you know, he's just not an every down guy because of his size, but, um, you know, it, it, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if Rattler, you know, plays the way that he did, you know, the last two or three games, um, you know, last couple of games, you know, they've got a chance. But, you know, I think it's going to be tough. I think Notre Dame, you know, obviously they're without their quarterback. But, you know, other than that, you know, they're a very, I think, a very solid physical football team. Yeah. Uh, Ellis, defensively, if you're Marcus Freeman and you're Notre Dame, you're looking at the South Carolina offense. And as Chuck mentioned, the guys that they don't have, and they got really one superb receiver in Wells. Do you do you put an extra amount of attention on Wells and, and try to, take him out and, and if somebody else of a Leggett or so, some other receiver beats you so be it but you put more maybe a double team or more emphasis on him they may have something I guess in obvious past situations where they have uh, some added you know attention on him either doubling him if he's the outside guy safe over the top etc um, I think the bigger problem is Notre Dame's offensive line uh, that's what gave Clemson trouble, and Clemson's defensive front, talent-wise, is as good as there is in the country. So I think the, I think the game, the key to it, is going to be in the trenches because, as, as Chuck already mentioned, Rattler doesn't have a lot of his weapons. Uh, on the other hand, if if they can't dominate up front and get the Rattler, he's the best quarterback in the game for sure. And uh, I think Notre Dame's got a problem scoring. You know, and I, I, I don't think Carolina has a lot of guys missing on defense. They may have one or two to put in the portal or something, but they weren't critical guys. And they're in pretty good shape defensively going in. And if Notre Dame cannot control the box, uh, whoever they're going to play at quarterback may have a rough day. You know, Ellis, we hear a lot of, you know, Notre Dame is going to try to run the football. We hear a lot as, as football fans and media members about stopping the run and kind of, you know, committing extra personnel to the box. But can you give us anything technical about what we would look for? I mean, do you walk linebackers into the gaps? What What do you do other than just putting guys on the line of scrimmage that we can see that when a, when a defense is trying to, quote, stop the run? Well, you have to hope that you're, you know, you're three down, four down, you know, whoever's on the line of scrimmage can hold point and be physical enough to play with that bunch. And that's going to be a big question because South Carolina this year has not been really good against the run, especially consistently. So I think that Notre Dame has an advantage in that area. But as you already mentioned, basically we had two approaches. If we knew we weren't physically able to control that box with six guys or however many you know we needed uh, to hold one gap each, then we had to bring an extra safety down. You know, that – that would load the box, or we ran a lot of fire zones, and they. I learned over the years it wasn't a good pass situation call because there's too much space in the zones in the fire zone, and most of the time when you only bring five, most good teams can protect it and get the ball out. So we use it a lot more to disrupt the run, and then still have the secondary with their eyes on the ball where they can 
prevent breakout runs. And that's the only two things that we had a solution for because as good as we were up front in the years I was in Carolina athletically, we weren't a big, top, big, strong physical front. We were an athletic front that was you know, kind of built for third down. Uh, we, we love it when you talk techno-defensive football with us, uh, Ellis. That's, uh, that's always a highlight. That's what my players call it. It was, it was really it was really junior high football, but they called it the techno. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm glad I got down to the junior high level with you. That's great. Ellis Johnson and Chuck Reedy here with us on uh, Chalk Talk. All right, uh, Chuck, we turn our attention to Clemson and Tennessee, uh, and it's the dawning of the new era at quarterback for Clemson. And here we go with the next uh, savior, the next generational guy at quarterback. The previous one, I guess, you know, it's that's one of the most interesting stories, I think, of the year in college football. Here's a guy in Uyangalale who won a ton of games, and he, he had, you know, he, he passed for about 6,000 yards in his career. He rushed for about 1,000 yards. And I guess his downfall was just too many mistakes, too many mental errors, not protecting the football. And now they put the hands – the ball in the hands of a of a true freshman here, and they say go win the Orange Bowl and then lead us back to the playoffs next year. Yeah, it, you, you you're right. I mean, it, it's a, a fascinating scenario the whole year, um, you know. And and you know, as we have talked many times before, um, you know, Clemson they were not afraid, and and I say Clemson, I'm, I guess I'm talking about Dabba. Mm-hmm. They weren't afraid to go with Sean Watson early. They weren't afraid to go with Trevor Lawrence early. But um, with Klubnik, you know, I mean, we, we haven't seen much of him all year. And, and uh, you know, and, and you know, and he doesn't get in the game at all against South Carolina, which may have been one of the worst games that, that DJ played in his whole career at, at, at Clemson. And, 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 you know, he goes in against North Carolina and is the MVP of the game. So, you know, you wonder, I mean, what – you know why? You know why were they why were they hesitant to give him an opportunity earlier in the in the year? I don't. You know, n- none of us on in this conversation have the answer to that. Um, you know, and and now you know. I mean, of course, you know it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, obviously the guy played great against you know North Carolina. Um, you know, and uh, he's already being touted for the Heisman next year. I mean, you know, let's, let's see what he does as the starter, uh, you know, in a bowl game. I mean, obviously he was impressive against North Carolina, but, you know, let, let's see what he does this, you know, this uh, tomorrow night. Um, but, you know, uh, no, it's, it's very – it's just an interesting scenario and a lot of second-guessing, you know, of uh, why they didn't give him an opportunity earlier. You know, Clemson very well could be sitting, you know, they could be playing Michigan mm-hmm. on, on Saturday. Yeah. You know, all they needed to do was beat South Carolina, and they're the number three seed playing in the playoffs. And uh, But, you know, the guy never had a chance against South Carolina. So, uh, anyway, very yeah. interesting, and, and can't wait to see what he's going to do tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You're right, and I'm sure Clemson fans are banging their heads against the wall over that same point that you just made. Now, Ellis, as uh, Coach pointed out, um, he, he, the, the quarterback, uh, Clemson, he, he made a, a fine showing when he went in after a couple of series. Uh, Klubnik had a couple – after a couple of series with Uyangalale against North Carolina, then Klubnik takes over, 
and he had a really good game against North Carolina. I think we've seen all season long just how bad North Carolina's defense is, not taking anything away from Klubnick's performance. Now, I know Tennessee's defense, they're, they're all about offense at Tennessee, and their defense has had its struggles this year. Not sure if they're much better than North Carolina's, but I think they are. So you're a defensive coordinator. Now you've got some real video, some real film to look at on Klubnick coming off that North Carolina game. How do you think the Vols are going to approach him? You know, What do you do defensively to try to offset what he might bring to the table? Well, during the times I've seen Tennessee during this season, and the only time I watched them for a reasonable length of time was against Alabama. It was such a great game, but I saw bits and pieces here and there, and what I kept seeing is the defense made critical stops at critical times. They weren't very consistent. They weren't devastating. They certainly didn't win any games for them, but they would play them you know, downhill is what I call it. They would play them with a lead a lot of the times. I think their scheme is good for what their personnel is. They do a lot of slanting, stunning, bringing those fifth guys uh, on, the, on the fire zones and things, and, and uh, trying to play to their secondary strength because they're not a big, strong physical front. And I thought they did a reasonably good job during the season. Uh, I think one reason that, that Carolina exploded on them was they, uh, they could get uh, Rattler out of the box. And he, he was he was fantastic out of the box. That's how he beat Clemson. And Clemson held until the uh, after the safety when they got the football at midfield on, on the return. Everybody put them to sleep. Hmm. Couldn't run the ball inside between the tackles, and they couldn't protect Rattler. They started moving him out of the box with pull-ups and then even him scrambling on his own. And it was devastating because he was able to make plays. I don't know if Clevenick can do that, but I think that's what they're going to find out. And I don't, not to, re, to go back on the thing, but I, I think we asked the question a while ago, why was Clemson slow to put him in? They watch him in practice every day, and I remember seeing him against Syracuse. He, he didn't make any plays. He got hit on the sideline, got a 15-yard penalty. It was his biggest game. I think he completed one pass. I don't know. He goes in against Notre Dame and gives the other team a touchdown on his second rep. So I guess what I'm trying to say on that particular subject, I'm defending Dabo. Everybody criticizes for not bringing the guy in. He obviously showed he wasn't ready. And he did have a great game against North Carolina. You go back two years ago, Ungalay put up over 400 yards against Notre Dame as a starter. Mm. And then the next year, he was kind of questionable. And this year, he's kind of questionable and ends up getting pulled. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward. Who is Kane Klebnik? And is it going to be a repeat of what happened with DJ? Uh, you know, a couple of fabulous starts as a young guy, and then all of a sudden it's your hands. You can't carry the water. Hmm. Who knows? But I, I, I kind of defend Dabo on the quarterback thing. Uh, I think that he made the changes when he could make the changes, and, and I, I agree with Chuck 100%. There was a lack of confidence to make that change, but I think we know why. You know, and Chuck, to springboard off of that about Kate Klubnick not playing earlier, but now he is playing, I really wonder, are there things in football that you have to see in gameplay? In other words, we've been discussing maybe Kate Klubnick throws a slightly more catchable ball than DJ, and that's the kind of thing that comes out maybe under the lights more than it does under the sun of practice. Well, yeah, there, there, there are guys that um... – that are gamers. I mean, they, they, they don't look great in practice, but when you put them in a game, um, you know, they, they do play well. The, the one thing that Klubnik 
and and I totally agree with Ellis. I mean, and I said this, I've said this, you know, the last time uh, I think that we were on. You know, there there had to have been a reason why they weren't playing him, and, and my contention was that maybe he wasn't ready to play. But you know, I think against North Carolina, they they were they didn't have any choice. They had to make a change. They had to do something, and it worked out well for them. But the one thing that I think you've seen now you didn't see it against Notre Dame, but because I mean they were getting they were getting beaten. They were going to get beat regardless of who was the quarterback. But you know, when he has gone in, usually he seems to energize not only the offense, but it seems like the whole team is is energized when he comes in now you know whether that will carry through tomorrow night who knows but it does seem that that has been the case he does seem to bring some energy you know to the team and and to the fan base for that matter um so you know again you know now that he is the guy um you know we'll we'll see if he you know still has that uh, brings that kind of energy yeah, was that energy because he's just an energetic guy, or was it energy because people have been clamoring for a change, and here's the hot shot young yes. quarterback they've been waiting to see? Well, the, the the second team quarterback is always the guy that everybody wants, and uh, and you're exactly right. You know, Clemson fans, you know, were ready. Maybe the players were ready for a change, too. You know, you just don't know. Maybe the players were frustrated, even though you heard great things that they said about DJ. They may have been frustrated, you know, with the mistakes that he made and and what have you. And and they may have all, everybody may have just been ready for a change. Now, whether that translates, you know, to a guy that's going to be the the next great quarterback, you know, we'll, we'll find out soon enough. Well, I can refute that theory. I was the second-team quarterback on my peewee team, and, and nobody ever wanted to see me go into the game. So I I don't know if that's a universal theory that holds. Not even your mom and dad? None of them. Nobody, no, my mom definitely didn't want to see me in there because she was afraid I'd get hurt. <clears throat> she made me wear a neck roll and uh, the old birdcage face mask. I had to have the birdcage face mask and the neck roll, and I was taped up like a mummy. <laughs> So that's why I didn't go anywhere in the sport. I really wasn't a quarterback. I was an offensive lineman. Uh, guys, we we thank you as always. Great great insight. Um, we hope you have a safe and happy a new year. Uh, um, the world's getting older, but not you two. You two don't age. You're ageless wonders. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week and, and look back at these uh, games and uh, and break it down one more time. Because we just can't let you go. We can't say goodbye. We can't let you go. Sounds great, Phil. Thank I'm you. here. <laughs> All right. I'm an ageless wonder. You have to be your left knee right now. I tell my left knee I'm an ageless wonder. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Jordan. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to y'all. Okay. Uh, the best, Chuck Reedy, Ellis Johnson.